Coming up on this week's episode, Liam has a story from around the world. We look at the turnaround at Manchester United and West Ham, what went wrong for Liverpool when they took on Manchester City, and I'm back with some more Wonders of White, so let's get started. Hello and welcome to View from the Sideline podcast. This is episode 25. It's Chris here and Liam is here as always. Hello, Liam. Good evening, Chris. How are you doing? Uh, I'm all right. Yourself? Yeah, not too bad. Sort of resigned seem... after the football this weekend to so what's, uh, what's you... going to happen. <laughs> you seem almost a bit more happier than last week. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, to, I, I, didn't watch, uh, I didn't watch our game, but... Um, by the looks of it, we played quite well. I heard quite a few good reports, but uh, I was in the car um, for that one, so I could hear it on the radio. But um, yeah, it's Liverpool, isn't it? It's just sort of like a free hit. You don't mind if you don't <laughs> win them. But yeah, it's the games when you actually think you might get something out of that you don't. That's the really frustrating ones. Uh, well. As you know on. all about from uh, from this week, I'd imagine. Yeah. <laughs> yeah we won't talk about that just yet. <laughs> Still. Still a bit painful, but um, I believe that uh, we'll, we'll, we'll get right into it. And uh, what's this week's teaser? So, I thought it was a bit of a success last week. A little bit difficult, but you managed to get a few. So we're going <laughs> along the nationality theme again. Okay. So this week, I want you to name the top five Spanish goal scorers of all time in the Premier League. So again, you can pick them out, pick them out in any order, but you've got five attempts to pick the top five Spanish goal scorers in the Premier League. So I'll come back to that later from you. Maybe have a think while we're chatting away. Yes, yeah. It almost seems a bit more harder than last week. So I don't know why. I just can't really... Well, I can think of a couple, actually. Yeah, now it's just started writing a couple of names down. It's <laughs> coming to me a little bit. Cool. Right, so uh, well, we'll get into this week's talking points, and uh, the first one up um, was something that I wanted to talk about, and that was, um, well, half of what I wanted to talk about and half of what you wanted to talk about, really, was the uh, Manchester United and West Ham and the sort of turnaround that we're currently seeing from, from both sides. Obviously, Manchester United not lost since the restart and uh, looking like a team with a lot of confidence at the moment. They really do. I think um, I don't know what Solskjaer's been doing to them during quarantine, but uh, yeah, they look a completely different side. I know obviously Fernandez is new and his partnership with Pogba seems to be going well, but all of a sudden the front three. I know I know Rashford's been playing quite well, um, and we can all we all know the talent that Greenwood is, but they're just firing on all cylinders at the minute. It seems every time they have a shot, it's going in. Um, do you expect them to to give you a bit of a run for the Champions League places now? We you, you oh, seem yeah. quite confident the other week. Well, yeah, obviously we we there was a, a cushion up until sort of last Wednesday when things went drastically wrong. Um, but yeah, yeah, de- definitely. Um, I'd say out of the sort of four teams competing at the moment, they, they're, they're sort of the team that I'm looking at now that I think are going to grab it by the horns and and, and go for it because. Like you said, going forward, they just they just look like a different team at the moment going forward. Martial seems to be scoring freely and, and Greenwood, like you said, and, and Rashford also getting goals as well. Um, 
Yeah, looking absolutely formidable. And and even at the back, you know, where they've had problems this season, uh, Maguire and Lindelof seem to, you know, have done quite well. And Maguire sort of looking like the player that Man United, I think, would have bought him for. Yeah. Um, and obviously you add Fernandez in there, um, and Pogba, who, again, is, is sort of, obviously he's missed the majority of the seasons. It's almost like having a fresh player. Um, this just all seems to be clicking at the moment. And I've, I've heard uh, all bit, a lot of Man United fans say this, but potential challenge for a title next season, maybe if they can continue how they're mm. playing now, or is, it, is that too soon? Or like, Personally, I, I don't think they will. I still think that they have... You know, although they've got Pogba and Fernandes in, in the middle, I, I think they still lack a bit in those positions. And Matic is a good player, don't get me wrong. Uh, and Matter is good. But I think, you know, Lingard, for me, is not not great. McTominay's all right, but he's still probably learning. Yeah, um, I, I think um, when you look at the teams at the moment, um, at the top, Liverpool, Man City, you can see that... Albeit, you know, if, if Salah's injured, Liverpool haven't got a player of that calibre to come in. But they still have Origi as like a ready-made replacement. Like he, he's, he's come on and made a difference in games before. Man City, likewise, if De Bruyne goes missing, they've got Foden to come in. And if a big player goes out for United, they haven't got that, I think, um, consistent. I think as a if I was a Man United fan, I'd lack confidence in the squad as a whole. Whether starting eleven, I think is as good as most of the teams towards the top. I think they would be lacking um, in, in a long season. Obviously, we've had a break in this one, but uh, if there's injuries or something like that, they would struggle next year unless they can invest. I don't know how much money Solskjaer will have to spend. Probably, I would imagine quite a bit. But uh, yeah, it's interesting to hear you say about defensively because I did. I have noticed that as well. You know, they've not really been conceding goals. But for me, I, I know he's not played every game uh, since the restart. But Matic has almost found form out of nowhere. I thought before the break, he, he looked like he'd had it. He, I, th- I thought he was, you know, on six months away yeah. from joining a Chinese Premier League team. But he's just seemed to be a bit reinvigorated by the break. And I think I he's think, a different yeah. player. And that's helped having that defensive midfielder to allow Pogba and Fernandes to maybe experiment a bit further up the pitch. Um, I think it always helps to have a holding midfielder that you can trust and, and rely on. And I think he's been that since the restart. I think the restart has, has sort of helped them in the fact that they, they were quite, they looked tired um, before all this. Um, and, and I think I think the break has actually helped them, whereas it probably hasn't helped other teams like, like Sheffield United, I think, is a good example. I think they've lost all, all sort of form after this restart and, you know, they're, they're moving down the league rather than sort of maintaining where they were. Obviously, a lot of people said, could they get Champions League, European football next season? But it, it definitely doesn't look like that now. Um, yeah. But yeah, just, just overall impressed with Manchester United. And I think you, you've got the same sort of view on uh, one of your relegation rivals, West Ham. Yeah, they have impressed me actually since the restart. There was a couple of games where, um, yeah, they didn't quite get the result, but the performance was getting there. 
and it sort of it culminated in the game against you guys earlier, well, last week. And um, I thought, you know, they played really well. They might have got a little bit of luck, but I thought they were un- just as unlucky with the goal that was ruled out. I think maybe that sense of injustice kind of spurred them on a little bit. But, um, you know, three shots on target and three goals, you can maybe argue that they were a bit fortunate to get a win, but I think it was fully deserved. And, uh, you know, credit to Moyes. I always had a feeling that he was going to turn it around there. And I think if the break hadn't have happened, they might have got a bit of momentum earlier. But because the break did happen, you sort of go back to pre-season fitness and yeah. it's taken a while to win up. But I do expect them now to go on and, and you know, really make sure that they survive. I think they'll be quite comfortable by the end of the season. And it's now looking like, you know, it's going to be one of the three teams. I think Norwich are down still. It's going to be one of the remaining three teams of, of Villa, Bournemouth and uh, and Watford. But yeah, I think they've done very well. But, I, you know, it, I still think that West Ham are underachieving from what they spend every year and the amount of um, fanfare they get when whenever they have a, a seemingly good transfer window, like they, I thought they did in summer. And they have players like Felipe Anderson and, and things like that. You think they're going to be an exciting team. And they've sort of petered out this season, but I think he'll he'll start getting the best out of them for the remaining games. Yeah, I, I, you know, going back to the game last week against Chelsea, you know, just, it was painful to watch. You know, there was a lot of mistakes by Chelsea in that game, um, and you know, West Ham I thought rightfully deserved to win the game in the end. Um, but. You know, they do concede a lot of goals, but at the same time, at the moment, they're scoring just as many. So it is it's sort of not like a David Moyes team, is it? Yeah, it's yeah, sort very of very like itself out. So um, they are starting to crawl away now. Um, and like you said, I probably expect them now just to, to move on up and get themselves away from uh, away from that, that sort of relegation places. I think they're going to have to be careful not to be there again next year because it yeah. seems to be a running theme for West Ham. They sort of struggle for a bit of the season, just about do enough. And they seem to keep on investing in the summer, but a lot of their big money transfers don't seem to do that much. So yeah, I think they're going to need to spend um, a bit wiser. Felipe Anderson last season, you know, he was, the, he was by far their best players and he was scoring goals pretty much every other week. Um, but now you can't even get into the team. Right. So uh, I don't really know what's happened there. But I, I expect them to be safe. And like you said, I, I think Norwich are down. I personally think Bournemouth will definitely be going. Um, I don't think they've at all looked like a team that even want to stay up at the moment. And I think it'll be between Watford and Villa um, for the other one. So do uh, wait and see. Um Sort of a, a shock result, I would say, but mainly the scoreline was a shock. Maybe not so much the result, but the the Manchester City Liverpool game uh, last week. Obviously, Liverpool have already wrapped the title up, so there was, you know, it was not really a lot to play for for Man City because I think they're they're pretty much safe in uh, in second place anyway. And Liverpool obviously trying to break records left, right, and centre for the league. Um, but it just fell apart for them. It's just, yeah. uh, it's just, it's just crazy. It just, 
I think it just goes to show that if you if you uh, if you go at them, Liverpool, they are that. I, I felt that when we played them in the FA Cup, mm. um, we didn't sit back. A lot of teams just seemed to sit back against them, but we didn't. When we came out with a win, and uh, I think Manchester City did exactly the same. Probably, you'd say that they probably very keen to win the game. Man City as well, more so than Liverpool, just because of the the whole situation that you know they've they've lost out on the league um, and they just obviously there just to prove a point but um, Phil Foden I thought he was you know by far the best player on that pitch and yeah it's just unbelievable like how how sort of mature of a game he had it was just um it looks like a real not, prospect not not a performance that we've seen of him um to, to date really and I was, yeah, I was very glad he got the chance because yeah. they seem to use him a bit sparingly, you know, a cup game here, uh, bring him off the bench, but to actually give him a chance in, in one of the bigger games, shall we say. And I think he took it, you know, it, it gives Pep a bit of a headache as to to how often he can play him now because he's, he's, he's done everything right. Every time he does get a game, he seems to impress. So it can't be much longer before he's um, starting every week. But then who do you leave out? Yeah, that Man well, City midfield in order you've to got, them in. This is the thing, what do they do now? Because obviously Dallas Silva is leaving this season. Is he the man to, to fill those shoes? Or do you mm. think that they will look elsewhere and try and bring, bring in sort of that, that sort of marquee big money signing? I think it, well, I think it'll be interesting. If we'd had any other season, I would have said they would have gone out and spent big and bought someone in probably from abroad, um, to replace Silva. But having seen how Liverpool kept the squad together that finished second the year before, didn't really spend that much, kept them as a unit, trained them in exactly the same way and said, look, if it's winning games, we're going to keep doing it until we get it right and win. He might have a change of heart and just Mm. sort of change the emphasis of Man City a bit and say, well, look, we've got the youngsters here. You know, we might as well give them a go. Obviously, Foden's shown he can do it against Liverpool that I'm I'm guessing we're a bit hungover. But still, (laughs) he's shown he can do it on a big game. And um, I don't know why he wouldn't give him a chance now. It will be interesting next year to see whether Pep does decide the usual Man City tactic of, yeah, I'm going to spend 150, 200 million completely reinvent the squad. I think, it, it, I think this is all going to depend on as well what's going to happen with them in the Champions League. Um, yeah. I think if they get kicked out, I think he's probably got more chance of playing more games because I don't think they'll generally go out and buy too many big players. Well, they might not have a choice because a lot of the big players want to play in Champions League. So yeah. that you know, might already be... Um, be obviously lucky for him if they do actually get kicked out but I think they'd be in danger I mean we saw it with Sancho leaving Man City and it raised a few eyebrows going to Dortmund but Mm. you know his career has gone from strength to strength and I think there'll probably be a lot of young players talented young players at Man City that'll be keeping an eye on it thinking well if Foden's not going to get a chance if Sancho's not going to get a chance what likely how likely am I to make it into the team and they might look to go elsewhere. Whereas you've got Chelsea. I mean, as you know, now they're playing the youngsters. It's going to give them more encouragement to go on and be better people because they think they're going to get into the first team. They yeah. think there might be a chance. So 
I think without Champions League football, it's going to be hard to draw in big names. Why not give them a go? I, Definitely. I, I think they might as well. And But then, judging by the performance of Southampton, maybe they do need to reinvest. Well, yeah, well, sp- maybe they need a new keeper. I mean, he hasn't made many mistakes, but... Great goal, amazing finish. Go on to that goal, really, isn't it? Because we wanted to talk about that. Yeah, I didn't realise that was his first Premier League goal. What a way to open your account! That's yeah, it was was so well taken as well. And yeah, obviously, because when when you're in that situation, um, the keeper's obviously playing some sort of sweeper position because he's miles off his line. You have to hit the target if you're going to do it. Because if you don't, you've just practically given the ball away and, yeah. and you're back under pressure. But um, yeah, what a finish that was! And great finish, and for it to be the winning goal as well, and yeah, pretty much move Southampton completely away from any sort of danger now. Is um... I think they'll be looking up next year. I really do. I've got. I've got to hold my hands up. I, I felt the worst for them this year. I, I genuinely thought that yes. they were going to be struggling and scrapping away, and for a while they were. But um, Hassan Huttle has really changed my opinion. I think he looks like a good motivator. He's passionate on the touchline. I think he gets the players working for him. And, yeah, next year, I mean, I think they're, what, they're comfortably mid-table by now. But next year, I think you could be looking at a top-half finish if, if we can find the right players to add in summer. And, um, yeah, yeah, I think they could really go from... But going back to the goal, I mean, like you said, he hadn't scored a Premier League goal for 23 or four games or however many he's had. The confidence to try that when you've gone <laughs> 20 odd games without it's a goal. It's all nothing, just... really, isn't it, at, at that <laughs> point. It's just, yeah, yeah. It, was a, it was a really good finish and well taken and... Yeah, it, it, it's just it's just weird to see, really, because it's hard to believe that that's the Southampton team that lost to yeah. Leicester. What was it, 9 now. Yeah. Jeez, that was back in October last year. So, yeah. So, uh, it's, it's amazing the job that he's done to, to turn the fortunes around. But I remember the game after the 9-0, I think they went away to Man City and gave well, them a proper they? game. Yeah, I think, yeah. Was it three two or something they like lost, that? Yeah, but they did but play they, really well. Yeah, they they put their heart and soul into it, and from from that moment, really, I thought they've got a manager that can really get them playing. And um, yeah, credit to him. I think he's done a great job. Yeah. So well, that was the the talking points for this week. Um, so that is the end of part one as well. So in part two, we'll be back with a story. Um, from the archives that Liam's building. <laughs> I just imagine you now, you just sat there in your armchair with a pipe and yeah, you've got, got all these football encyclopedias behind you. Just, yeah, uh, just uh, looking through them, looking through them just week. to find one, yeah. Um, I will have some uh, more from the Wonders of White and I will also try and uh, guess Liam's teaser this week. So we'll be back in part two. Hello and welcome back to part two of View from Sideline podcast. We're going to get straight into it, Liam. So tell us your story this week. Right. So this week's story is a little bit more modern. I'm not diving right back into the 60s. This week's story involves the controversial figure of Jermaine Pennant. So for those of you that can't remember, Jermaine Pennant was a right winger 
He played for Arsenal, he played for Stoke, Birmingham, Liverpool. And later on in his career, he played for a Spanish team. I don't know if you remember, Chris, called Real Zaragoza. Yeah, yeah. Properly. So you might remember Jermaine Pennant. He was the first high-profile footballer to wear an ankle tag after a few drink-driving incidents. He had a little bit of jail time. And apparently, and this is just a rumour, so if he is listening, please don't sue us. But apparently, when he got arrested, he told the police that he was Ashley Cole. That was a rumour <laughs> that I found. Um, anyway, in the summer of 2009, Jermaine Pennant signed for Real Zaragoza. He had a pretty rubbish year at the club. Uh, he was always late for training. His form wasn't very good. He didn't get on with the manager. So they quickly shipped him off to Stoke City. He went on loan and then he eventually signed for them permanently. So five months after joining Stoke City, Jermaine Pennant receives a phone call from Real Zaragoza to say that his Porsche has been sat at Zaragoza train station and abandoned for the entire time. As if that wasn't bad enough, Spanish paper Marca reported that when Zaragoza phoned him to let him know, Pennant had no recollection that he owned the car. Zaragoza officials had to break into his car, which had the registration number P33NNT, which is a bit of a giveaway, and discovered the keys were on the seat. So this was a brand new, I think it was something like a £50,000 Porsche that he forgot he owned and he left at a Spanish train station for five months. Unbelievable. Only footballer can do that. <laughs> oh, my word. If he ever went and got it back, he probably just gave it to someone, didn't I he? I think he just That's gave mad. it away. I think he just said that they can keep it. He That's forgot, mad. He forgot he owned a top-of-the-range Porsche. Who forgets that? That's, um, that's quite a big thing to forget, really, isn't it? I can't say I've ever forgotten anything that sort of big that I've owned. He just he must have. I can imagine him driving to the train station in that much of a hurry to get out the club, <laughs> to just abandon your car and leave it and just forget about it. He must have had yeah nightmares about that place in order to forget he owned it. But yeah, wow. there we go. So that's the story for this week. <laughs> nice one. Um... God, I can't. I just can't get over that. How you would just be like, yeah, nah, just write, write it off. You know what I mean? <laughs> right. Okay. So we'll um, we'll move on to the uh, wonders of white this week. Um. So Pep Guardiola has lost three consecutive away league games for the first time in his career. God, that's and impressive. The, the next one you're not going to like, by the way. Um. Aston Villa are winless in eight Premier League games. That's the longest current winless run in the competition. Oh, thanks, which mate. Means, which means four more as you are bomb. Yeah. <laughs> uh, every one of Mikel Antonio's 30 Premier League goals have come inside the box. Yeah, I didn't know that. Yeah, I was more surprised that he actually scored 30 goals. That was, <laughs> yeah. that was the more surprising oh. fact, I think, for me. Yeah. Um, yeah, <laughs> and uh, William is just the sixth Premier League player in history to score a penalty in three consecutive games. Are you going to ask me to name the other five? I was going to see. Did you? I was, <laughs> I've got them. If you want to have a little guess, you can have uh, a little guess at the other five. So what? Uh, three Premier League games in a row. So yeah. I'm guessing Shearer. No. Letitia. No. <laughs> I'm just trying to think of people who had. I'll give you. Record. I'll give you a clue. Rooney. I'll, Rooney's got to be one. Rooney is not one. Oh. Um, 
So there's one from 94, two from 2003, one from 2015, and 2017. I'll give you the clubs that they played for. Yeah, go on, help so me out. So 94... Arsenal. 94 Arsenal, so that's pre Henri and Burger. Ian Wright? Ian Wright, correct. Nice. Yeah. 2003, Liverpool. Gerard. Nope. Fowler? Close. Owen. Owen, yeah. Oh, I didn't, uh, I, I almost forgot he took penalties. Also, two thousand and three, Manchester United. Um, two thousand and three. That would have been about the first year that Rooney signed, though, wouldn't it? So, who would he have been with? Uh, surname is split into two names. Oh, Van Nistelrooy, gotta be. Van Nistelrooy, yeah. 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 Two thousand and fifteen. Um, this is going to be difficult because I think it was Newcastle. I think it was. Was it Kabai? Yeah, it is Kabai, yeah. yeah. It would have been, 2015 would have been Newcastle. I took all the set pieces. So he was good. No, no, good. This one's pretty straightforward, actually. 2017, managed to say. Aguero. Yeah. Yeah. Got there in the end. I needed the club today. Thanks, mate. You can now add William to, to that illustrious list of nice. players. That is a good list can... of players. And he could break the record if he scores against Palace tomorrow night, apparently. So they'd be kind enough to... Keep your fingers crossed. ...to do that. That'd be nice of them. <laughs> well, I suppose it's only fair that you've had your... Uh, um, you te- you've given yes, me a teaser. Yes, it's uh, it's only right that I try and take a guess at your ones. So now, you've been scribbling down well, I've got six. I've got six names... Yep. And I'm confident of probably three stroke four. Right. Um, I'll go. For, the obvious one is Torres, and I probably think he's probably first or second at least. He is first. First, yeah. Well done. Yep. Okay. Eighty-five goals. A first, pretty good. Uh, second, um, I'm going to go with David Silva. Going to go with David Silva. He is second. Well done. He's yeah, second. that's fifty-seven okay. goals. So quite a big difference. Okay, I'm gonna go for. Am I gonna go for him? I'll go for. Oh no. Okay, I'll go for Fabregas. Am I gonna it's go for Fabregas? Yes. He is fifth on the oh, list with fifty goals. So he is just 50? there. Oh, yeah, he got fifty goals. Oh, this is really putting into doubt my my other choice now because I'm. I think he's probably got less. One matter. He's going for one matter. Oh no, he ain't got fifty. He's got... number four. Oh, Fifty-one goals. So who's this third? No, I've got two names in front of me, and it's one. definitely not him. I don't think. Oh, I want to go with the other Chelsea guy. But I'll go Costa. You got five out of five. Diego oh. Costa, number three, with 52 goals. So third, fourth, and fifth. Got 52, 51, oh, right. 50 goals. Out of interest, what was your <laughs> other guess? Michu was the other one, mate. Michu. Michu is, <laughs> yeah. in fact, he's joint tenth. Oh, there you go, look. He was, he was the only other... He was 
I don't know why he sprung to mind, but I remember he had that really, yeah, that really good, good season, and then I thought, well, he's probably got at least twenty or thirty. He's, uh, yeah, he's on twenty goals. He's joint tenth with two other players. He's joint tenth with Gerard De La Feu, who I didn't realise had twenty goals, and Marcus Alonso. Yeah, he well, has twenty goals. Okay. Right. So, he was uh, so out the top ten. So uh, you got the top five. So sixth is Mikel Arteta with forty-one goals. Seventh is Iose Perez with forty goals. Again, I didn't realise quite a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, then you've got Pedro on twenty-nine. Yeah. And you've got Santi Gazzola on 25, and then joint 10th, Marcus Alonso, Gerard De La Feo, and Mitch. Cazola was, yeah, Cazola was another one I was thinking of that I didn't think he scored that many for. Um... No, he was sort of a holding midfielder for Arsenal by the end of it, so I don't think he got that many in his last couple of years. But, uh, but yeah, an interesting list because there's a lot of big names from Spain that did obviously play in the Premier League. And, either found it a bit difficult or they were in the wrong position, like mm-hmm. Xavier Alonso's and Negredo's and Morata obviously struggled with you guys and stuff like that. So I just thought it was quite right, interesting. I didn't even cross but... my mind, mate. <laughs> yeah. No, he only got 16. Yeah. Um, yeah, even Bojan oh. sneaks in the top 20 with 14 goals. So, uh, the, yeah. The fake, the phony Messi. Yeah. Bojan. Had to be the next big thing. But... Oh, God. What a, what a waste of time he was in the end, wasn't it? Is he yeah. still at Stoke? I have he's no still idea. At Stoke, he? yeah, he's def- I swear I've looked this up in the last six months and he's still there. I'll, I'll have a look for you now just to put you out of your misery. I'll see where it, he must have been out on loan quite a few times if uh, if he is still there. But uh, oh Top no, he, ha- he has well. moved. He's moved recently. He's gone to Montreal Impact. So he's decided so things, to make the things, <laughs> things have gone well for him, haven't they? Yeah. <laughs> he's still only twenty nine. Seems like he's been around for years, and he's only twenty nine. I'm pretty sure he came on. Um, I'm going to bring this up again because you know, as a Chelsea fan, it's probably one of the, my best moments as Champions League. So the semi final, I think. Well, when we played Barcelona, I'm pretty sure he played in or played a part in both of those ge- in both of the legs in those games. Um, definitely remember him coming on. So, yeah, didn't do them any good though, did it? Obviously not, mate. Absolutely beast, mate. Absolutely beast in that time. Mate, I'll never forget that moment. There's just moments of football that you will never forget. I think we'll have to do this one week. Sort of our f- favourite football moments or something like that, maybe. God, I, haven't, uh, I haven't had many that's... as a Villa fan, mate. Um, <laughs> got to go quite far back in time to get some of them. I'll, 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 uh, well, you know, you've had some good results recently. We've got to be we, up there. Like promotion. Finals, but, you know, we, we've you're been pro- in some finals at least. Yeah. yeah, to be fair. I think you've always got those moments that you'll never... doesn't even really... You know, the moments that I know, well, obviously with Yeovil as well. Like, I've got some fond memories of the games there as well. So, yeah, yeah maybe we'll do that when the season uh, comes to an end. We'll do our, yeah, like, football get moments. Get your football encyclopedias out. I will get my encyclopedias <laughs> out and go, yeah. My favourite footballing moment was in 1894 when Villa last won the title. It was great. Oh, I bet you were buzzing that day. Oh, it was a wonderful. Cool. 
Well, we'll be back uh, next week. Have you got anything else? No, a lot of football in the next sort of sort of week or so. I know Chelsea have got Palace, and I think they've got Sheffield United. So I'm not going to say they're winnable games because I said that last week, and I shot myself in the foot. So you've got a better run than we have. So we're Man United next. So after I've just talked to them, up, <laughs> I, I hope that it's the uh, sort of curse of the commentator, and Man United don't turn up that day. Oh, no. And then, uh, yeah, we've got Palace as well. So uh, well. Yeah, could hopefully. be doing us big favours, mate. Big favours needed. <laughs> I tell you, 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 you know, you scratch, you know, our backs will scratch yours. We'll, 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 uh, we'll beat, um, uh, well, we've got one of the teams, I think, around you. <laughs> Didn't do yeah, any favours with my other one. Yeah, 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 sort of apologies about that. Yeah. <laughs> All right, well, we'll be back next week, so we will see you then.